You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for all your kind wishes and prayers. It's, I, I wish you had done it after, after I'd preached, though. That's any little issue, but anyhow, we'll get through. Um, I guess just in response to all your best wishes and prayers, um, I think Petra would have certainly agree with me that both of us are just evidence of God's grace. You know, we, we do a lot, but it's only through God's grace that we're able to do it. I mean, if you if you knew each of us as we know ourselves, you know, we're, we're just sinners saved by grace and we, we struggle every day with our own little issues. Um, I'm sure everyone in the church has their own issues that they struggle with and and it's God's grace that they they get through. And, and and our lives are just examples of that God can use anybody to to his glory and to his benefit if you just, you know, submit yourself to him and don't wait until you're perfect. Don't wait until you've gone on top of everything. Serve the Lord and his grace is sufficient for you. You know, we've been blessed with this last series on Thessalonians, um, <clears throat> when I first, when John had said he's going to do 10 weeks on it, I thought, I read through it, I thought, how on earth are you going to do 10 weeks? But it has been just so full of blessing, especially in this time of pandemic and lockdown. You know, we started the first couple of weeks looking at faith, hope and love and how relevant are those attributes in the midst of, you know, the pandemic, that we have faith, that we have hope and love for each other, one another. Paul then shared his heart about his anxiety of being separated one from another. And boy, can't we empathise with that. And then finally, Jono um, spent a few weeks talking about the encouragement of knowing that Jesus is coming again. And what an encouragement that is, that the day will come when we'll no longer be separated. And that's certainly a time to look forward to. And then finally, last week, we, we talked about the rejoicing always, praying without ceasing and in everything, give thanks. And it is just something that we can do in this pandemic because of the grace of God. Paul has so much to say in this letter, and you need to go back and read it all again. You know, one of the beautiful things about the scripture is that there's no fillers. God doesn't think, oh, look, do we need a little bit more <clears throat> padding on this part of scripture? There's no fillers. Every word is important, and every book is just so relevant to us as you go through things in life. So let's get into it. Verse um, 12 and 13, if you can bring it up on the screen. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to give recognition to those who labour among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you and to regard them very highly in love because of their work. And look, this is obviously talking about our pastor, but it's more than our pastor. It, it's a lot wider. It goes on to those who labour among you. And you think about it, how many people labour among us and lead us in the Lord? And it's it's obviously the pastor, but it's so much more. Um one of these little prophetic things that God gave me the other day when we had our prayer meeting is is the fact that, you know, in some churches, the pastor is the be-all and end-all of that church. Very strong leadership, very, you know, larger than life, and the church revolves around the pastor. And the Lord just said to me that this makes the church very vulnerable because the enemy can attack that pastor and take him out and basically the whole church, church suffers. And yet the Lord said to us with Caroline Springs, he has done a special work amongst us. 
He's given us what, what the term that came to my mind is distributed leadership and that we're all part with Jonathan in leading the church. I know John is our leader. I'm not putting him down in that at all. But, you know, he went on three three months leave back in, uh, you know, April, May, June, and the church didn't collapse. In fact, it was just as strong as when he left. And there were so many of the people, so many people in the church stood up and led Ali and Susan and Doug, and there's a whole group that just stood up and led the church, and the church thrived, even though our pastor wasn't there. And the other picture I've got was like a geared wheel, you know, all the little cogs that go around in a geared wheel, that if the pastor is the wheel and that wheel fails, the whole mechanism fails. But the pastor, I believe, in our church is one of the teeth in that cog and the whole church turns around, the whole mechanism works, God's work goes on because Jonathan is one tooth in a large wheel and we don't have, we don't rely on him alone to see this church thrive. This is God's work. It's a it's a work of God. It's not it's not one man's church. And I, I'm I'm not putting Jonathan down at all. I'm sure he would appreciate the amount of leadership that goes on around the place. But I want to talk about you know honouring our pastor. And so let's have a look at Ephesians chapter four. Um, you will have heard me preach on this before. It's one of my my pet themes. So uh, I have to. Bear with me as I go through this again, but it is a passion of mine. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. You notice that there's a whole lot of distinct gifts here, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, but they all have one work, and that's to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. It's us who do the work of the ministry. We've got to be equipped, but... We do the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ. And that's what Pastor Jonathan has done and continues to do in our church, to build up the body of Christ. Pastor Jonathan is a gift to our church, and we should never stop thanking God for the gift that he is. He has given Jonathan gifts um, that he uses, can use to serve us, but they are a gift from God, and so we should always thank them. I want to quickly run through some of these other ministry gifts. Um, there's the Apostle. Uh, we don't see many apostles today. Paul was certainly an apostle, but there are modern apostles. There are people who go out and start churches. There are people who nurture new, new churches and who have a, a just a passion and a burden to see the work of God extended. Without apostles, we probably wouldn't have new churches around the place. So they are very essential. We need to honour them when we find them. The, the role of the prophet is, is really important. Um, Renee shared before. Um, just how important the, the work of the prophetic is in our church. And a prophet is someone who's he, who hears from God regularly and bring, brings words from God to the church or to individuals. It's a deeper calling that, than just someone who has the gift of prophecy. You know, in Corinthians 14, it talks about um, earnestly desire to prophesy. And the beautiful thing about that is that, it, that the way you read those couple of verses is that everyone in the church can prophesy. You don't have to be a prophet to prophesy. The Holy Spirit can give you a word of encouragement for somebody else and the whole church can be built up and benefited by it. But a prophet is someone who hears from God regularly and they can even be called upon to hear from God. You remember in the Old Testament, there were many times before the kings would go out to battle, they would call the prophet in and say, can you seek the Lord for us? What's, the, what's God saying in this situation? And the prophet would go away and get a word from the Lord and he would either say, yep, go ahead, God's with you or no, don't go, and he would hear from God, and that prophet is obviously very important. 
evangelists, man, if, if we didn't have evangelists, nobody gets saved because evangelists have a passion for getting people saved and they live and breathe the gospel. And I, I mean, the one that comes to mind is Billy Graham. You know, he could share a simple gospel message and tens of thousands would respond and give their heart to Jesus. The pastor or shepherd, as he's often called, is someone who cares for the flock. He nurtures, he visits, he encourages the sick, the lonely and struggling. And pastors are obviously very, very important in the church. And then there's the gift of teacher, someone who has a gift of expounding the word of God in a clear and simple way that people can understand. You'll, you'll know when you're sitting under a teacher. They can, pre they can preach for literally hours and it feels like minutes. Get someone who hasn't got that gift and they preach for a minute and it feels like hours. So what's Jonathan's gift? Well, without a doubt, teaching is his main gift. He has other, other gifts that he uses. But, you know, one of the things that drew us to Red Door Church, and I know a lot of other people have had the same experience, you sit under, sit under Pastor Jonathan's teaching and he can take the most complex piece of scripture and make it simple, make it easy to understand. And it, that's a gift. That is just absolute gifting that he can do that. The, the nice thing is that, you know, we've got to honour our pastor because the pastor does all the other things to some degree. You know, he, he does care for the sick. He does witness to people when he gets the opportunity. He will hear from God prophetically. But his primary ministry, the one that he's most comfortable with, is his teaching gift. And we need to recognise that as well. Now, the beautiful thing about that scripture about the different gifts is that God gifts gives the gifts to the church. So he's raised up other people to come alongside Jonathan and to support him. And look, we've got a wonderful pastoral care team in the church. Pastor Doug leads up that pastoral care team. And I'm sure if you've had contact from the, those people in the pastoral care team, you will identify with that gifting that God's given them to come alongside, to nurture, to pray and support them. Each of our small group leaders is a pastor. You know, you may not have a certificate on the wall, but you are a pastor because you're leading a small group of people and you care for them, you nurture them, and you want to see them grow in the Lord. And that's what pastoring is all about. Um, just, I'm going to share this to you. Over the last six months, I've had a couple of guys in the church who I really seriously don't know that well, Marios and David. And there's hardly a week goes by that I don't get a call from either of them or a text from them, Phil, how are you going? How can we pray for you? How can we bless you? And I'm able to communicate with them and share in, in prayer or what other things are going on. But they're not my age group. I mean, they're, they're at the age they could be my sons. And yet they care for me and pray for me. And I and that's what pastoral care is about. So thank you, guys. It's been wonderful. You know, the, the role of the prophet, um, we, we don't actually have a resident prophet per se, but as I said before, Anybody can be used in the role of prophecy. And there are many people in our church who regularly share words of encouragement, encouragement with one another, sometimes to the whole church, sometimes to individuals, but we're really blessed to have people who will do that. And as I said, everyone in the church can do that because that's a promise from God. For the evangelists, you know, we, we haven't sort of seen a lot of people with that heart of evangelism, although there are definitely people I remember Pastor Jimmy when he was here. Um, he loved preaching the gospel. He would love sharing the gospel with the young people. And it was obvious that he had a passion to see people come to Christ. Um, and so I, I really believe that he has that gift of not only a pastor because he's moving in that direction, but to be an evangelist as well. Now, 
if that's you, if any, if any of those gifts are yours, you need to grow into it. You need to step into it and do something about it. Could you imagine Pastor Jonathan's gift if he just sat back and said, well, God, you've given me this gift. That's it. That's nice. But never went to Bible college, never studied, never read a book, never tried to enhance that gift. You know, his, his preaching would be, and I'll just use the word, only half of what it is today because he has grown into it. And so all of us have gifts but we need to walk in them and grow in them. So let's move on with that. Um, one, of the, one of the great things about our pastor is that we all know he's not perfect. He has his issues and yet he always is faithful. And I remember hearing a story about this guy. He said to his wife, I don't think I'll go to church today. And the wife said, well, I think you should. And he says, no, I really, really don't feel like it. Oh, and the wife said, no, I think you really should. Oh, please, I really want to stay home. I just... I want to go to church today and she said well you are the pastor so yes and 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 pastor jonathan is like that you know i can guarantee there would be weeks where he is struggling it might be struggling emotionally there might be struggles within um, and without and the last thing he wants to do is face people and yet he comes week after week after week and ministers to us as though this is the last sermon he's ever going to give. Every sermon he gives is passionate and full of the love of the Lord and full of his gifting. And we just want to praise God and thank you for that gift, Jonathan, because it's really, really special to us. I want to go on to Romans chapter 12 now because um, it talks about motivational gifts, and this is actually going on to everybody in the church, about things that we can be passionate about. It says, now as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, according to the grace given to us. We have different gifts. If prophecy, according to the proportion of one's faith, if service, use it in service, in teaching, um, if teaching, then do it in teaching, in exhorting and exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy and cheerfulness. We've got prophecy, service, teaching, exhorting, giving, leading or administration and showing mercy. So how can we support our pastor? How can we highly regard him? Well, first of all, I think on a personal level for Jonathan, we should recognise his giftings and recognise the areas that he's not gifted and not strong in. Now, he, he still does pastoral care, but that's not his, that's not his forte. We've got a pastoral care team. So recognise both his strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, praise God for both of those. But the most important thing we can do is to share the load by stepping up with our own gifting. It might be serving morning tea. It might be giving to the clear debt campaign. It might be helping with administration. But whatever you do, it supports the pastor. The Lord gave me another lovely little picture back a month or two ago in relation to clear the debt giving and the clear the debt campaign. You know, that little boy who had the five loaves and the two fishes, or was it? Anyhow, two fish. Oh, he had the loaves and fishes. He was blessed as he gave it to the Lord. The Lord was blessed because of the obedience of that little boy. The disciples were blessed as they gave the food out to the people, and there was over 5,000 people who were blessed by having a meal. There were so many blessings given. And people giving to that Clear the Debt campaign, you might think, well, I'm only giving $100 it's, it's nothing in $65,000 of debt, but it blesses so many people. 
you, the number of times Petra, was, Petra has come in running down to me in the lounge from the computer and said, Phil, it's, 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 it's down to, to $10,000. Uh, and she's just so excited because somebody else has given more money and it has blessed her no end to see that debt come down. She then rings Pastor Jonathan and he is blessed. We share it in the Tuesday morning prayer meeting and they are blessed. And, and the whole church, when Petra gets up and shares the, how the debt's coming down, the whole church is blessed because here we are in the middle of a pandemic, in theory, in tight financial times, and yet we've almost paid off $65,000 of debt. It's just, it is so encouraging. And I also believe that the people at the diocese who are watching our debt come down are saying, praise God. And the thing is, that's releasing money into their funds that they can use to go and start other churches. So your little $100 or whatever it is that you've given could in fact be leading other people to the Lord and starting other churches. It is just such a blessing to give. The next section on this passage I want to have a look at is about the work of the Holy Spirit. So verse 19 to 22 says, don't stifle, don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecy, but test all things. Now, the King James Version says, do not quench the spirit. Now, when you think of quenching, you think of a fire, somebody throwing water on a fire and quenching it. There's also a verse over in Isaiah 63, verse 10, um, which talks about the work of the Holy Spirit. Talking of the children of Israel uh, after God's, they said, but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Look in verse 10. They rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit, so he became their enemy and fought against them. Some people believe the, whole, believe the Holy Spirit's just an influence or a background feeling or whatever, but you can't grieve a feeling. You can't grieve an influence. The Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. He is equal with the Father. He is equal with the Son, and he is to be worshipped and loved and honoured. And it's no, no coincidence that the Holy Spirit is associated with fire. Um, in John 3.16, sorry, Luke 3.16, um, John, John the Baptist says this about the Holy Spirit. I baptise you with water, but one who is more powerful than I am is coming. I am not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptise you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And it was no coincidence that on the day of Pentecost, the, they had the tongues of fire sitting on each one of them as though spoke in other tongues. Now, fire speaks of both purifying and zeal. If someone has a fire in their belly, they are passionate and they are zealous. And the Bible says here in the verses we've just read, do not quench the spirit. Do not stifle the spirit. And I believe one of the ways that we stifle the spirit is by saying no to the Lord or not saying yes. I mean, who, who was before was sharing about Petra? Just tap on the shoulder. You know, somebody taps you on the shoulder. There's a need in the church and somebody believes that you can help. And they come and tap you on the shoulder and you say, oh, I don't think so. I don't think I have the ability. I don't think I can do it. And I believe by doing that, you are quenching the work of the Holy Spirit. Because I want to spend a couple of minutes just talking about the work of the Holy Spirit and the importance of the Holy Spirit in God's work. Let's have a look at Isaiah 61. And this, this will be very familiar verses to you. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and to, on the day of our God's vengeance, and to comfort all who mourn, to provide for those who mourn in Zion, 
to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, festive oil instead of mourning, and splendid clothes instead of despair. Now, the, the beautiful thing about that passage is that you, you'll never guess who preached that. Jesus, when he went to his hometown in Nazareth, he got up one day at the synagogue in Nazareth, read that passage, and he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your midst. In other words, I'm the one who this prophecy was talking about. The spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach gospel to the poor, <coughs> excuse me, um, to, to heal the brokenhearted, to set the prisoner free. And he personally claimed that he was to do this work. But he didn't do this work on his own. He did this work through the power or fire of the Holy Spirit that was, that was upon him. That's the doorbell. <laughs> I'll have to wait till Petra gets the doorbell. <laughs> that was great timing. I'm sitting inside the lounge. Um, sorry about that. So he did all this work through the power of the Holy Spirit. He was filled with the Holy Spirit on the river of Jordan. But the miracles he did, he didn't do, he didn't do, of his own, and he didn't do them as God. He did them as a man filled with the Holy Spirit. And I can prove this to you. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. And it says there, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who, existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. The Amplified Bible actually says he stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity so as to assume the guise of a servant. Let me say it again. Jesus stripped himself. He was God, but he stripped himself of the privileges of being the son of God and the rightful dignity of that, and he took on the form of a servant and a slave, and he did the work as man. So I really believe that when Jesus went around healing the sick, even raising the dead, he did it as a man through the, with the power of the Holy Spirit in him. He could have done it as a son of man, but he didn't. He did it as a human man under the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to ask why. And the reason is so that he, that he could model what he wants us to do, what we can and should do. John 14 verse 12 tells us, um, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. He said, truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these because I am going to my father. Now, if you think about it, if Jesus did his miracles as the son of God, as a God person, we could never emulate him. We're never going to be this, you know, God people. But he did it as a man, and admittedly, he was a sinless man, but he did them under the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit that was working through him and so that we can do the same thing and you wonder how we can quench the spirit or how we can stifle the spirit as I said before I believe by us simply saying no I can't do it I'm not worthy I'm not able you know you don't know me I'm a sinful person I, I could never do it well you know what you want the truth yes you're a sinful person yes you are not worthy yes you are not able but my God is able through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can do all things, Jesus said. You can do all things. So there is no excuse for anyone in the body of Christ to say, well, somebody else can do that because I can't do it. 
You can't do it. But the Holy Spirit can do it through you. So let's not stifle the Holy Spirit, um, as we said before. Um, one of the things that talks about with that um, verse in uh, Thessalonians, it says, don't despise prophecy. It says, don't quench the spirit and don't despise prophecy. Now, you notice there's in Corinthians 14, we're going to have a look at that. Now, there's a lot of gifts, but he says, don't despise prophecy. So prophecy is set apart. It says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and especially that you might prophesy. For the person who speaks in tongues is not speaking to people but to God, since no one understands him. He speaks mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the person who prophesies speaks to, to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. I wish all of you would speak in tongues, but even more that you prophesied. The person who prophesies is greater than the ones who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so the church being built up. You remember in um, 2019, Pastor Jonathan did a series on the gifts of the Spirit, and prophecy was highlighted as such an important gift, and it encourages people. It builds up. It consoles people. It is so encouraging. And God wants each of us to be involved in that gift. He really what does want us. So don't despise prophecy. You know, this is God speaking through people to you. And don't despise that. And I really encourage you to do that. You know, how do you, how do you actually get to do that? I think, first of all, you need to have that desire. Lord, use me. I want to encourage somebody else. Use me. Spend time in the Word. When God gives you a, a, something that jumps out of a page in the Scriptures, ask the Lord, is that something for me or is it something for somebody else? Just recently. Recently, I, I was reading <laughs> Isaiah, my favourite book, and, and one of the passages jumped out of the page at me and I just hit me between the eyes and I knew this was a word from the Lord. And I just thanked the Lord for it and I blessed it and I, you know, I was encouraged by it. And then later that day I had a phone call from somebody who used to be in our church back a few years ago and I hadn't sort of seen for quite a long, basically since lockdown began. And, yeah, the Lord just prompted in my heart, that verse is for this person. And so I texted them back and, and gave them that scripture. And he texted me back and said, oh, thank you so much, Phil. That was just what I needed to hear. And so God gave me the verse to encourage me, but he ultimately gave it to encourage somebody else. You need to step out in faith. You don't, you don't wait until you're 100% sure or you're 100% confident. You'll never be 100%. Just step out in faith and bless somebody else. You know, this is how we also help the pastor by blessing each other and encouraging each other. If you think you have a word for the whole church, run it past Pastor Jonathan first and let him have some input into it and he'll say yes or no if, if he feels it's for the church. And the last, that little verse in 21 says, test all things, test all things. And, and this is talking about prophecy. So how do you test it? First of all, does it, is it in line with Scripture? God will never give you a word of prophecy which is against the word of God. He, he doesn't contradict himself and does it build up and does it edify and if it meets, meets those tests then I'm, I'm confident you should give it the last little section I'm just coming to a close now <laughs> and like Jonathan said last week you say finally and then you've got 15 points to give so finally brethren <laughs> um, verse 23 and verse 24 of Thessalonians it says now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless, sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. 
You know, the concept of the body, soul and spirit is quite difficult to get our heads around. Um, we are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. We know that when we die, our bodies will decay, but our soul and our spirit, the real you, who you are, your personality, um, the real person inside of you will live on. And God has promised us a new body to house our spirit and soul. Now, if you can throw that, throw that diagram up on the screen, please, guys. Um, this little circle with the hot spirit, soul and body. If we can just have a look at that. We've got that spirit, soul. That's the one I'm after. Yes. Let's have a quick look at that little diagram. Um, the body part down the bottom there, we're all familiar with that. I mean, nobody has to explain anything about that. Our flesh, our blood and our bone, you know, we're born and we live our whole life. We have our senses. And it's interesting that it's only a third of our being because we get our soul and our spirit, but we spend a lot of our life looking after our flesh, grooming ourselves, cleaning ourselves, exercising, feeding, and we, we live a lot of our time with the body. But we've got a human spirit and a soul. Now, our human spirit, we're told in the Bible that that is dead. It's certainly dead to God. And when we come to Christ, our human spirit comes alive. The Holy Spirit comes in and dwells with our human spirit. So we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in that area of our personality, um, part of our human spirit, and we're able to commune with God. We're able to hear from God. We have a conscience from God. God gives us the gifts of the spirit that will work in through our spirit. And, of course, the soul is a, a huge part of who we are. It's our mind, our intellect, our thinking, our will, you know, what we what we want to do, what we don't want to do, and the other part of our emotions. You know, we're it's a big part of our life, our emotions. Now, you'll see in the middle between the soul and the spirit, they've drawn that little purple box there about your heart, and they've, they've sort of put on the diagram that your heart is the bridge between your spirit and your soul. And, it's, and I, I certainly don't proclaim to understand how all this works. But you think about it. You know, God wants to give you a gift of prophecy. You want to prophesy to someone. It comes out through your tongue. You speak it. So that's your body. And it comes in through your mind because you obviously understand what you're saying. But it comes from the Holy Spirit, which is part of your human spirit now. And it comes in through your heart, through your, through your mind, and comes out through your body and blesses somebody else. So these three parts work together. And it's important to know that, you know, what happens at salvation? Well, first of all, our physical body doesn't change, if only. <laughs> Look at my body and it's, yeah, okay. It doesn't change. Our human spirit is made alive and renewed instantly. We are part of God and we're alive to God. But our soul has to be renewed. It is not born again. Our soul doesn't get born again. It says there in Romans chapter 12, if we can have a look at that, um, of what we're to do with our soul. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your body, says the body part, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing and perfect will of God. You know, the, the moment after you're saved, your brain doesn't change. Your mind doesn't instantly become one with God. It takes years and years of years to, to get your mind, your will and your emotions in line with what God has in store for you. 
your old habits take a while to die. You know, some things, when you come to Christ, some things die instantly. I know people who maybe were smokers have just lost that desire and they don't do it anymore. You know, some people were swore like troopers and they got saved and they have no desire after that to, to do that again. Um, there's another doorbell, people are saying goodbye. Um, just one sec. <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. People are wanting to say goodbye. Um, but look, we, we need to re renew our minds. Our minds and our wills and our emotions have to be changed. And we do that by spending time with each other, ministering with each other, reading the word of God, attending small groups, praying and talking to other Christians. We need to present our bodies and let our minds be renewed. Paul's final prayer is that our soul, spirit and body will be kept sound and blameless at the coming of the Lord. And he encourages in verse 24, he says, he who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Man, is this, a, is this an act of God? Is this a grace of God? Because God's got a big job ahead of him. <laughs> we get saved and we say we want to serve the Lord and minister to him. But boy, have we got a long way to go. Man alive, you know, until the day we die, God's still working on us. And this is a little bit of a, a dilemma in that God's going to do the work of transforming us, but we have a role to play as well. We can't go on in our old fleshly ways. You know, it says in, in Romans about the, the flesh is at war with the spirit. You know, they're opposite each other. And we can't yield to the desires of the flesh and expect God to do a work in us. So we need to be part of that as well. We've got to actually say yes to the Lord. It says to crucify our flesh daily and to allow the, the Holy Spirit to do it. So finally, in the last couple of verses, he says, brothers and sisters, pray for us also. And I, I want to thank each one of you for your prayers this morning that the um, Philians dropped out a little book that that Pastor Jonathan's put together with all the people in the church, um, all the prayers that you and the best wishes you have for it. And I want to say thank you so much. They've just been, it was very hard to read, but we really appreciate it. So pray for us also. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. And I'm just so sad we can't be together today to give each other a hug and say goodbye. I charge you by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brothers and sisters. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And our prayer for Petra and I, as we leave Red Door today for a new life in Armadale, is that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.